Hello and welcome everybody to yet another episode, issue, iteration, entry, whatever you want to call it. Welcome to another sit-down here at the Longbox Hunters. I am your host, Tristan Benz, joined by my indestructible co-host, Drew Garrison. How you doing today? I can't speak. How you doing today, Drew? <laughs> doing pretty well. Feeling pretty invincible. Are you? See, oh, I wish, part of me wishes this was a visible, visible, see, wow, I really can't speak, visual podcast, so that you can say, I'm feeling kind of blank, and then we just have a title page that says Invincible, like the like the TV show. We could always make Taylor just put the music on to get the reference. Yeah, but, you know, copyright and all that, I don't know how well that would, uh, I don't know how well that would work out for us, and I really don't feel like going toe-to-toe with Skybound and Amazon, at least not today. True that. Yeah. So... This is obviously a very exciting episode that we've been talking about for a while, so let's just go ahead and get through our little random stuff at the beginning. What have you been reading, aside from, you know, this uh, this subject matter in your personal life? Fall of X. It is coming out mm. right now, as of this recording, and uh, been really en- both enjoying it but also questioning some things especially with all the stuff that's happened in the x-men books but i guess that's what happens when the lead writer has to go and do another event and then also like people have to just bring it up and try to get that ending right yeah well i don't know hickman's been gone for years at this point so it, i i think his, I mean, I, I was, it's funny, because I was also going to say I've been reading the Fall of X stuff. Uh, you can still see where his initial plans were, you know, in influencing things, but I, I am very interested in what they have going on right now. And, as always, i got to ask, what's a little random, you know, comic or continuity fact that, that you enjoy? Okay, so, um, for a lot of people... Since we're doing Invincible today, a lot of people believe that Mark is supposed to be based off of Superman and everything, and technically true, but he's actually based off of Connor Kent's Superboy, because the whole idea was of Superman's son, and this was before Jonathan existed, and this was when Connor was considered sort of the son of Superman, so. Well, there there you go. Yeah. That is pretty cool. That's cool. I'm trying to think, do I have a... I have another small one if you want me to just take that because like yeah you could you know what I'll let you do t- the two facts today because I got nothing right now. Okay, so another thing is that uh, technically, if you want to count how Superman was originally portrayed back during the start of the Golden Age, the Viltrumites actually represent Super uh, Superman closer than any of his other pastiches because originally all kryptonians had superpowers and everything just everywhere and wasn't just on their planet uh on a earth and the little sun that was added by other writers so the whole thing with the viltrumites they actually represent kryptonians closer to how superman was originally depicted well there you go that is that is fact uh you know what no 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 no, no. i got a fact i got a fact for you drew are you ready are you prepared for the fact i'm ready Connor, you got me thinking about Connor Kent Superboy. Sorry. Uh, Connor Kent Superboy used to have a little bit of a crush on uh, Power Girl, which is weird, because that's his alternate universe cousin. Yeah. They're related somehow. There's a relation. They're like, at best we can say they're cousins. Yeah. So there you go. There's my Superboy factor there. We don't talk about that, though. He's he's outgrown that. But what we are talking about today 
is... That's right, everyone. You read the title. We are talking about Invincible, okay? Specifically the first 13 issues. Well, that's Superman. See, you're you're getting the brands all mixed up, Drew. He's not based on Superman. (laughs) Well, Uh, Superboy doesn't have a theme. Well, then I task you with coming up with one. Come up with one before the next time we talk about Invincible, and then Bob's your uncle. You can you can do that little musical stinger. But yes, today we are talking about Invincible, the Ultimate Collection, Volume One, which collects the first thirteen issues of the hit Invincible comic book series. That's now a hit animated series on. Amazon Prime. The synopsis reads as follows. When Mark Grayson inherits superpowers at 17, it's a dream come true until he learns that being a hero isn't as black black and white as the comic books he read as a kid. From visionary creators Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley, Invincible The Ultimate Collection Volume 1 collects the Invincible comic book series issues 1 through 13 or trade paperbacks 1 and 2. Uh, that's a bit of a repurposed synopsis from the uh, Amazon store. If if we want to get uh, if we want to give credit where credits due, which we always do here, and we are big Invincible fans, we are gonna have a lot to say. So let's just go ahead and get through this ad, and then let's dive in. If you're looking for the best place to get your gaming and entertainment news or Invincible news, I guess that's a you know subset of entertainment, but we're getting a couple Invincible mobile games, so there you go. Check out thenerdstash.com. TheNerdStash.com has a plethora of very talented writers and content creators, like us, who are making it their mission to give people the latest news in the world of gaming, movies, television, and so much more. But that's not all. Are you looking to get your start in the gamer entertainment journalism field? Or are you someone who's just looking to build on your ever-growing resume? Regardless of your experience, consider applying to join the writing team over at the NerdStash. You can find the link for the site in the description of this episode, regardless of, you know, what platform you're listening to on. You can be listening to Apple Podcasts, you can be listening to Spotify, you can be listening to... I'm probably not on Ham Radio. I don't know if you can click a link on Ham Radio, but if you're industrious enough to be using a Ham Radio to listen to a podcast in the year 2023, you might find a way. Anyway... In that description, you can also find a link that'll take you to any open positions we got at the site. Just click on the link, and then boom, you're off to the races. Okay, enough beating around the bush. Drew, Invincible. What a series. Oof, this is one of my favorites. I've, I've been talking about it. I've been, like, you you know me. I've been, I've been wanting to talk about Invincible on this podcast Really just anywhere I can, because I was so happy when it got an animated series, and they didn't try That's to just... such a well-done one, too. Yeah, and I am also glad that they didn't just try to go with a live-action fever pitch. Thank God they chose to put it in animation. I mean, apparently we're also still getting a live-action Invincible movie, which I'm curious about, because is it just going to be the origin again? Is it going to be in its own continuity or is it going to somehow connect to the show like what's the i i mean i feel like the show's done such a good job of adapting invincible that i don't really need a live action movie doesn't feel necessary yeah i felt like that with a lot of of adaptive properties but you know gotta gotta yeah just gotta go with it and who knows they could do a good job oh i'm sure it'll be i'm sure it'll be good like especially if it's you know still seth rogan's production company working on it i mean He's he has knocked it out of the park with nerd shit, you know, with the boys and Invincible, and apparently the new Ninja Turtles movie that he produces pretty good. So, 
Oh, I still haven't seen that yet, but I have heard good things. Yeah, I haven't either, but I, I trust Seth Rogen, so if they put something out, I expect it to be pretty damn good, but I'm I'm still at a point where I'm like, mm, I don't know, I'm just, let's just focus uh, all our energy on the animated series. Or, more importantly, we should focus our energy on the comic, since that's what we are talking about today. But needless to say, Drew, you're a big Invincible fan. Uh, you were the one who suggested it for this episode. I, too, am a big Invincible fan. Uh, I have been since, I think, freshman year of college? I don't know. It's, we'll, we'll get more into our, our histories with Invincible later, but we're talking about just the first 13 issues uh, for this episode because it's a, it's a long series. It's, what, 140-something, 150-something issues? I think so. Like, I never memorized the number, but I'm pretty sure you're around the money of it being 140 issues. Yeah, and then that's and that's just with the main series. That's not including, like, any of the other stuff that is part of that world, like, you know, Adam, Eve, and Rexplode, or, you know, Guarding the Globe, or anything like that. But for this, we're just talking about the what's the first hardcover uh, for this series. And I think for this one, uh, we should go full spoilers, because... Invincible, it's a hot it's a hot topic. I imagine anyone listening to this has probably seen the show, and mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting, even though this is a comic book podcast, but I think it'd be interesting if we were able to, you know, compare some things from these first 13 issues to how they go down in the show. You know, it's just a... It's an interesting discussion, because I feel like Invincible, the animated series, is one of the most faithful adaptations of a comic we've gotten, while also playing with the timeline a little. Yeah, because a, a few stuff does happen quite differently, and it is, it it, it like it, it it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, you wanted to be adapted faithful, but at the same time, I like I kind of like the, the way they mess with the timeline a bit more because, yeah, yeah because of and in, it's no sorry, go ahead. Uh, like I was just gonna say because in the comics, it's like some stuff happened and they were just its own one off thing, while the invincible show combines them all and makes them pretty great now i do admit there is like a couple of changes that probably weren't the best but i understand what they were doing with doing it and uh it's still pretty cool and it's also uh fun the changes they've made for fans like us who've already read the entire series so we're expecting things beat by beat and then those those actions and those uh, situations that we're expecting do occur, but just not in the way we expect. It's a fun twist of our uh, expectations, and I really enjoy that. But we'll get into all that later. First, we got to ask our big three questions, our trinity of questions. Why did we want to talk about the story? Drew, you are the one who suggested this, so I'll let you sound off first. So I really so I really wanted to talk about the story one because I'm a huge fan of Invincible, two because the Invincible series has been has come out the first season and the second season is on the horizon at the time of this recording. So just like it's a it's a hot topic that I really wanted to discuss and I can discuss it without being that awkward guy to bring it up in conversation. It's like hey, have you heard of Invincible? It's just like hey, you guys hear like Invincible season two is coming out, and then I can just go on with it. But otherwise, it's also just a really good story that I think people who people who want to get into comics, or even if you're like a fan of just manga because of how streamlined Invincible is, this is a great comic to go with. So that's one of the reasons I want to talk about it. And it is, uh, I can't necessarily speak to its similarities to manga because I'm not much of a manga guy, but 
going off your your point about anyone who wants to get into comics, it is a great sort of distillation of superhero comics in general. Uh, it plays with a lot of the tropes that you would expect, but it also grounds them in a way, and I don't mean grounded like, oh, it's grim and gritty and, and grounded like the Dark Knight, but it grounds it in a sense of like, no, like there are actual repercussions and consequences for the things that happen here. These characters do grow and change and age and they can die. You know, it, it's not just going to reset to the status quo in a couple years after a continuity wide reboot. And you know, those, those sorts of tropes have their place. I mean, we've talked about them a bit before they have their place in comic book universes, but they aren't for every, uh, universe. And, the Invincible Universe is one of those more real universes in terms of having the events of the story really affect the characters and really shape the journey that they go on and that the audience takes with them. So, yeah, this is definitely a, a good place to get someone into comics unless they're squeamish. Then, you know, it might not be the best series for them. Like, uh, they don't play with, like, the whole, like, not only just gore, but just, like, human liquids, period. Yeah, there's just a lot, well, when you say it like that, it sounds dirty. It's mostly gore. Like, there's no other type of human liquids well, going around. Well, green ghosts and, and, uh... I mean, yeah, but that's still blood, you know? It's just green blood. Well, and there's vomit, well, yeah. The, okay. Yeah, well, I, like, like, green ghosts puke, vomit. too. Yeah. There's gore and there's puke. There's nothing, no other yeah. kind of human liquid. So get your heads out of the gutter. Um, well, I don't, yeah. well, I don't know. Debbie and Omni Man might disagree with you. Okay, there. but we don't see that. We don't see that. <laughs> we don't see that. Sure, there are there are a couple that's you know very active in their in their uh, private lives, and you know love that for them. Uh, after twenty years, you know some couple struggle to to maintain that spark, but they still got it. Um, but yeah, so everyone get your minds out of the gutter. Now, moving on to our second question. Normally it's, what does this story do for, you know, continuity and the mythos of its universe? But I'd like to expand on it for this question since, or for this, uh, comic, since this is really an introduction. Like, before when we've talked about, oh, what does this do for the universe or whatever, it's like, where does this fit? But Invincible really was the introduction of a whole new comic book universe. Like, sure, it's set, quote-unquote, in the Image universe, like you see throughout the series. And in this uh, these first 13 issues, so it's not a spoiler, like you see Savage Dragon and Super Patriot, you know, characters from that series. Later on in the, just throughout the series, you'll see cameos from other popular characters belonging to Image. I don't want to spoil that, because that's not something that's been in the show or in these first 13 issues. But you'll see other, like, iconic Image characters. You'll be like, oh, okay, they're also in this universe, or at least a version of them is in this universe. But this still feels like something that, even without I the iconic Image characters, like Savage Dragon, uh, this is something that could stand entirely on its own, and it's something that's introducing you to a whole swath of, of heroes, like just a whole corner of this universe. So Drew, how do you, how do you feel about this, these 13 issues as an introduction? It's a pretty good introduction. Also, I am so glad that they never like released an update for it. So you could see just how the rough, the art was at the start of it. But also as you go through the 13 issues, you start to see its improvements, what they, um, 
what they push through on and what they uh and what they cut back on in order to give um invincible its original distinctive style that will continue to evolve throughout its 144 issues but uh it's also like it's also like for one thing i will say like for the continuity of mythos I don't know if this was fully planned out, but it feels like it because so much stuff is set up so well in mm. these first 13 issues that it's just incre it's just incredible to like think about um as, as someone who has read the the comic issue full like 3 times going on 4 uh it's cr it's like it's really crazy just how well they introduce uh, so much different stuff. Now for the Image Comics quote unquote universe, I've always like kept it as uh, it's more like a revolving door thing because it's like sometimes like they'll have crossover with image characters at the time and sometimes they just will like ha just will like uh, say, nope, it's its own universe and everything. Uh, Savage Dragon, uh, always heard of him, never read his stuff, but it's like I always do like seek him because I call him the Cameo King since he just appears in nearly any image crossover thing in some form or fashion. And he does appear in this series, like, multiple times. Yeah. And I think apparently, and I haven't read it, but Invincible first appeared in Savage Dragon, like, as a cameo. I did not know that, but... Yeah, I didn't either, until I was looking on uh, Wikipedia the other day, trying to figure out what exactly is the continuity of the, the Image Comics universe, because, you know... There, there's so many different cameos. You're like, wait, so is this the same version of this character that's been in this same series for the last 20 years? Yes. And no. See, that kind of shit. It stresses <laughs> me out. Yeah. Im Image because Image Comics um, is one of the few comic book companies that allow writers to continue owning their stuff, if a writer leaves and everything, it's like, oh, well, we can't touch that anymore. Uh, it's one of the it's one of the reasons why, despite um, Spawn being one of their flagship characters, sometimes it's like writers are not allowed to touch Spawn, like not allowed to have even like a small cameo or anything. It's just oh, there we go. It's like oh, Spawn was here in this stuff, and sometimes it's in other stuff. I heard Spawn also like cameoed in Archie comics once, so that was cool. That I mean, who hasn't cameoed in Archie comics at this point? Superman. You know, all right, you got me there. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, Predator's there. Come on. Yeah, I, that took me by surprise. I'm uh, sure it took Archie by surprise. Yeah, but uh, yeah, with ev with everything with like, what does it do for the continuity and everything? It's like, well, I honestly think like this kind of brings the continuity together because I think Invincible was like where a ton of stuff started crossing over, and it's like, oh, like no, this, like, fully happened in their continuity. Because before, it's like, oh, they just appeared and they didn't really have a full continuity and everything. Uh, I think, like, the only other comic that was doing that was, uh, what's it called? It was basically, like, their version of Justice League slash Teen Titans for Image. And they went super 90s. Um, oh, Youngblood. Youngblood, that was it. Mm. Yeah, they did, yeah, they did that there, but it's like, Youngblood was more of Hey, let's bring the superhero team together with characters who technically never existed except for one who was a background spawn character. And that was it, so. See, I agree with everything you're saying about it bringing another continuity. The one thing that I disagree on is the art 
in the first, uh, I think Corey Walker does the first eight issues. I really like Corey Walker's art. I don't think it's rough at all. I think that is just his style. And you'll see later, you know, not in these first 13 issues, but whenever he comes back later in the series just to do a few, you know, guest issues here and there, his style has definitely evolved. Like, it's yeah. almost totally different it, it's it's really crazy like if you just looked at something from cory walker and in invincible number one versus cory walker towards i mean he does like the last a big part of the last 12 issues of the series it looks like an entirely different artist but i really like the the quote-unquote rougher stuff in the first few issues and i think i do too the way they transition into ryan otley like it is pretty seamless it, it does take a second for you to realize oh wait a second this isn't the same artist and going on that point just in general about the art evolving because ryan otley did i was about to call him ryan gosling god how how funny would it be if ryan gosling was the <laughs> artist for uh, invincible but because of ryan otley's tenure on the book like the way he's he stays from issue eight all the way until you know the last few issues because i think does cory walker finish the book entirely on art i think cory walker might be uh i think cory walker does the last issue because i know ryan otley does a lot of the like i think they go back and forth but at the very least they're both involved in the final story arc either way yeah it also gets me how young they were because i did not realize that uh, Cory Walker was an 80s kid. Like, he literally was born in 1980, and it's like, whoa, so you were, like, kind of young for an yeah, artist he was in, when you were they, He would have been his early 20s with, yeah. with this, because this came out 2003, so this man was only 23. But Ryan Otley stays on the book for well over 100 issues, probably, like, 130, with only a couple issues off here and there, which Cory Walker then filled in. Like, it's rare to get a series running this long with a such a consistent creative team just in terms of who's actually making the book but also just in terms of quality like it it's it's ridiculous but seeing Ryan Otley's art style change over uh, what this started in 2003 ended in 2016 2017 something like that uh, yeah. the the late teens it's crazy watching that evolution, um, especially when you're reading the entire thing, you know, all at once, like uh, you and I both do uh, frequently. It, it's really interesting. So to see his art start off where it does in issue eight, it's 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 really, really interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's 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 never bad. The art in this book is always um, top notch. I, I love it. I love it. But I do agree with you know, what you're saying about this bringing the continuity together, because it's introducing us to the continuity, and there are so many things, even just in these 13 issues, that will play out all throughout the entire series, and I think that's part of why they're able to play with the timeline so well in the animated series, because of the way the story was written. A lot of those things that they've moved up and already shown us, it's like, yeah, well, they already teased that, you know, in issue two or whatever so it makes sense that this would already be a big thing just in season one of the show yep it all really comes together it really comes together it's a it's a you know just like nolan and debbie i'm sure 
<laughs> and you told me to get my mind out of the gutter. Yeah, well, no, I told the audience to get their mind out of the gutter just because you were saying you were talking about human fluids, and I just wanted to clarify it. And you know, I didn't know what they were thinking. But before we get into our free for all discussion, our our final big Trinity question: Why should you care about this? Because Invincible is awesome, and you've probably watched the cartoon, so you should read the comic because it's great. Yeah, I don't think I even need to add anything. Tristan got it in one. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I feel like this might be one of the simplest why you should care about this that we've had so far. Like, it's just because it's invincible. Like, the cartoon's one of the biggest shows on Amazon. Like, go watch it. And then read it. Or read and then watch it. Do it in whatever order you want, but you should engage with, you know, both. So, now, Drew, now I just want to ask you, what's your history with Invincible? Like, some paint, paint, a, paint a, a tapestry for me. Set, set the scene. I want to know, when when did you get into Invincible? How hard did it hit you? Like, what's what's your just overall relationship with this series? Or IP, I guess. So, uh, for me, uh, Invincible was one of the comics that I, I kept seeing on shelves, but could not get into because grew up not with a lot of money to buy on comics back in the day. Mm. So um, the few Invincible comics I did have before they were lost during a move, they were kind of in the middle of a story. And gotta say, I I either was unlucky or just really, really had some some weird karma. Because the Invincible stories I got started with uh, the backup space dog... uh, Space dog uh, issues and stuff. So th- Oh, Science Dog? Yeah, Science Dog. That was it. Science Dog. So it started off with the Science Dog issues and stuff, which were backup issues and were not fully... Like, they technically were what it kind of Invincible was about, but weren't, like, fully about the story and everything. Mm-hmm. Still... And how old, how old were you? Like, what around what age range was this? I think I was around 14 or 15. It was around my birthday of that age. Gotcha. Okay, so you, yeah, you you got into it a few years ahead of me, and uh, I was honestly really interested, but just could not like like I said, could not fully get into it. College ro- rolls around, uh, and I decide, and uh, it was actually you who told me about the um, a certain site that I could go and read comics at. And uh, we we won't mention that site on this this show because you know we should make sure we pay creators and <laughs> it's why everything bu- legally it's why i've been buying the trade paperbacks thank you very but, much but you know it's hey sometimes your budget though. just is a bit tight when you're a young college student you know or when you're uh mid-20s out of college no longer a student and just things are tight and but you gotta read the comics you know you just want so you, yeah yeah you just want to engage with the story of the fandom you and want to try to help with out the story come on you know it's a judgment free zone yeah so um after that um i finished reading the thor god butcher storyline on that website uh suddenly it's like it updated and it had invincible so uh i dove right i dove right in and i fell in love with this series and the rest is history I tell you what, I had a somewhat similar uh, experience to you. I'd always seen references to Invincible, you know, just being a comic fan. Like, sure, you you hear talk about it, but it was one of those things where it's like I wasn't a big in- Image Comics guy. I don't think I, 
I don't think I really read anything from Image until was I was it college or high school? Hmm. I think it was high school. I think it was high school. Saga, I believe, was the first Image comic I got into. Um, and then before my freshman year started, before our freshman year started at college, I was like, you know what? I've heard about this Invincible business, and everyone says it's awesome. So let me let me just go ahead and buy this compendium. And I read it the summer before freshman year. I read the whole... It, I bought the first one, and I was like, holy shit. I just could not put it down. Um, it was so damn good, and I was desperate to get the the next one. I don't think the third one was out by then, because the series was still running. So I got the first compendium, loved it, bought the second one. And yeah, so the third one was not out by the time I finished the second one. So I started collecting the trade paperbacks. Um, from then on, I think I collected, let me see, volumes 20 through, or no, might have been volume like 18 through 23. I, I was, it was enough that I was picking up the trades like as soon as they were coming out. So I was, I wasn't reading the single issues, but I was like still trying to keep up with the, with the series. Um, and man, I, I gotta tell you, it is, ever since then, it's been one of my favorite comic book series. I remember when we were in college, they announced that they were doing an Invincible movie, um, which, you know, then eventually, I guess, turned into the show, but they're still doing the movie. Either way, they announced that they were adapting Invincible, and I was like, oh, hell yes, I am so in, let's fucking go, and then we just don't hear about it for years. And then it's like, hey, there's an animated series. And at first we're like, oh, an animated series, whatever. And they're like, no, like we're I wasn't whatever. Like an adult. Well, it was. I wasn't whatever, but it was like, mm, but like, is it gonna be like, are they actually doing Invincible, or is it gonna be like some Cartoon Network, whatever? But they're like, oh no, it's Amazon Prime. You're like, okay, sure. Now, like, yeah, like this is gonna be dope. Then the show comes out. You're like, man, this is just freaking awesome it's everything you want it to be and it's also very funny to watch people who know nothing about invincible just react online to things where people are like oh man nolan's such a daddy or whatever and then he murders the <laughs> guardians of the globe and no in a fight that is much more brutal in the show than the comics in the comic he just manages to just kill them all like one strike each because he's yeah. just that guy but it's it's very funny seeing this I wouldn't say a resurgence in Invincible because comic fans were always all all on board the Invincible train, but it's funny watching Invincible become such a big thing to the general populace in a way that we've seen. I mean, it's not as big, but in a way that we've seen like the MCU uh, or even characters like you know Wonder Woman, who was always big and iconic and larger than life, but you know she hit the the modern general pop culture audience in a way that is, you know, we're still feeling the impacts of to this day. But anyway, it's funny watching Invincible enter the pop culture zeitgeist already knowing where it's going to go. Because even with the MCU, like by the time the MCU got big, you know, like Iron Man came out in 2008. So we enjoyed it. You know, we were, we've been along for the ride, but we were still just kids. Yeah. Like, we weren't as 
experience. I don't know how to, how to phrase it. I, I think experience works perfectly. Yeah, we didn't know these characters as well as we do now to be as excited by everyone else getting into them, you know? Um, but with Invincible, it's one of those things where it's like, oh man, no, like, we know where this is going. Like, everyone buckle up for the ride because this is, even if you just read these first 13 issues, like, you can tell, like, big things are coming. And it's really, really fun to see a quote-unquote smaller series that's not Marvel or DC get its its time in the sun. Oh, yeah, because I love the big two. Don't get me wrong. I love the big oh, two. of course. But it is cool to see some more indie-style indie comics coming to the forefront, because I do count Image as sort of indie. Because it's like yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's independent creators for the most part. Like you said, the creators still own their characters, even when they're no longer publishing uh, with Image anymore. Yeah. But it is it is very funny referring to Invincible as indie when it's one of the most successful Amazon shows <laughs> of, of all time. Um, uh. But following this thread in general and going more back to the, the comics, that's what we're talking about. What is it that you think helps set Invincible apart from other superhero stories and comic book universes? I know we've touched on this a little bit, but I really want to explore this a bit more. I think what set it apart for me when I was reading it was what got me to it was at first the mundaneness of it, and not like mundane as in, oh, it's just so boring everything, but how the characters take superheroing and their the stuff that happens in their world as such, like, it's, it's just, just like an, an everyday thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's, like, really cool to see how that is. Like, literally, yeah. like, literally, um one of the first dinner scenes we get in Invincible and everything, it's like, oh, I stopped, oh, I stopped um, Dragon and everything. And it's like, well, guess what? I sold a house today. And it's like, huh, that's actually really cool. It's like they all celebrating their accomplishments and everything. And then eventually, like in the, uh, we also figure when Mark gets his powers and everything, it's like, oh, cool, honey. Can you pass the salt? Yeah, she's like, can you, can you pass the, she's like, that's nice, dear. Can you pass the potatoes? <laughs> No, it's, it's, you're 100% right. They're so, and it's not even just mundane, they're just so casual about it. You know, yeah. like it's clear that this is their routine. It's a world that already feels lived in as soon as it's, as it's being introduced to you with a lot of origin stories. And, you know, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of something like, superman or batman you know like superman year one or superman birthright or batman year one i meant to say superman secret origin we don't need to talk about superman year one frank miller was on some shit when he wrote that but anyway when you whenever you're getting these reintroduction to more modern versions of classic characters you know you're getting oh this is superman's origin the new continuity oh this is batman's origin even when it's you know, the Marvel season one books that they've done, or like when you get the going back to a contemporary for Invincible, uh, the Ultimates, you know, when you're getting these, these origins of these entirely new versions of these characters, so much of it does feel like world building in the sense of, well, this is all new and the world's changing because now, you know, you can believe a man can fly or it's like, oh, we've got this new vigilante on the streets of Gotham and everything's changing. Like, 
you know, oh, we've got these mutants are starting to pop up. What is this? This is things will never be the same. But with Invincible, it's like, oh, yeah, no, the world is just already existing. There's just already a bunch of these heroes. Oh, hey, my dad's like the biggest hero in the world. Hey, hey, I've got powers now. Great. Like he's joining into that world in the same way that we are already joining in the story. It's not a whole oh, now we have to see how the Guardians of the Globe form. Oh, what's, you know, Omni-Man's secret backstory to how he became the greatest hero? Like, just like, no, this just is what it is. And you're along for the ride in the same way that Mark is. Yep. It's, I think the best way of putting it is like, it's kind of like, like Mark isn't a fish out of water, but he's still like the inexperienced newcomer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's... Yeah. he's I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, in the comic, he's not as in over his head as he is in the show, um, which I do think is an interesting change, but it is, it's clearly a learning curve. Like he's been a part of this world tangentially, like, you know, it's, it's like, he's been watching from the outside in just the same as, I mean, maybe not entirely the same as any other citizen, because obviously his dad's a hero, so he's he's got a more unique perspective on it than just whoever on the street, but it still takes time for him to adjust and realize like, Oh, this is what being a hero is. I mean, that's the thing where the synopsis says, like he learns that being a superhero isn't just like what he read in the comic books. Like there are hard crossroads and hard decisions and just crazy situations that he finds himself in. But he didn't have that perspective on it before because you know, he just knew what his dad was telling him or what he saw from his dad on the news. And clearly it's not like his dad was ever really being super honest with him because, you know, spoilers that everyone knows his dad was <laughs> there to conquer the world. Um, but no, it is, it's very interesting to have a character be as inexperienced, but while also being simultaneously knowledgeable. It's an interesting perspective for the main character to take up. Yeah. Now, Drew, I got a question for you. I have an answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you locked in? I'm locked in. Okay. Who's your favorite, like, little random side superhero in Invincible? Like, just, uh, obviously Invincible's the GOAT. Like, we know this. He's, he's great. And Alan is also the GOAT. So I don't count him as a superhero. He's just a side character. I knew you were going to say Alan, because Alan's <laughs> great. But I mean, just yeah. of, like, the little community they have, like, of the little pastiche superheroes that they've made up, you know, like the teen team or the global audience. Like, who's just your random, like, oh, this is clearly a version of this character, but they're just very entertaining. Um, so if I had to say my, if I had to say my favorite and we can't count from Alan, these thir- first 13 issues, we gotta, we, we want to spoil it for anyone who's, you know, not yeah. read uh past series. I mean, if they've appeared in the show, then we can talk about them, but you know, let, let's try and, and be a little conscious. I think my favorite is war woman. Just- you like war woman? I like War I like War Woman. I like her introduction and everything. She's got the little changes in the show where she's head of a company and everything and um Well she's still the head of the company in the comic. We just never see it. Yeah, we never see it, it's not a focus and everything. And I don't know why. I guess it's cause technically she only appears in like two issues, but her girlfriend, like I didn't realize that was her girlfriend in the in the uh show. Mm. For, yeah, they don't make it clear. 
Yeah, they don't make it clear, which is weird because in the comic, they are fully showing it. It's like they are waking up, they're in their underwear, they're cooking breakfast. It's like, oh yeah, we had a night. Yeah, it's uh, a nice little romantic morning. It's like, oh, this is great. And then, you know, monster attacks and whatever. But, you know, it's just like, oh, this is sweet. Domestic yeah. bliss. Yeah. Um, but I like well, I like War Woman. Mostly because I feel like she's not only a pastiche, but she's an amalgamation. Because she feels like big Barda and Wonder Woman in one. Mm, there's some Barda vibes. Specifically with her her club. It feels like Barda's Mega Rod. And like her, yeah. I mean, even the way they draw her in her little snippet in the issue where they get killed, it feels very Jack Kirby-esque. So I, I could definitely see the, the Barda vibes there. Uh, I yeah. have never really had much of a stance on War Woman, but if we're just talking Guardians of the Globe, I really like the Immortal. I just think he's really entertaining. The oh, did he, he count? Because I get... Did he count? Yeah, he's, like, he's, yeah, kind I mean, of not, he's... He's kind of more of a main character in the full series, but it's like... Yeah, but I mean, he's still like a, an, a pastiche. He's kind of like a Superman, Vandal Savage type person. Like, yeah. aside from Omni-Man, he was pretty much the Superman for the Guardians of the Globe. And when you see his uh, his little, you know, flashbacks and whatnot, he's doing, like, the classic Superman number one pose. Like, he's dressed like Superman from 1930. So I'd, I'd count him more. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't know, like, he counted it in, like, our little um, choice and stuff because it's like, oh, he's kind of more of a main character later on. So I was like, I can't choose a mortal. Cause he would have been my number one. Cause I like him. Cause I like Immortal, and uh, he's honestly he's honestly really funny, but also weirdly wholesome when you get down to him. Yeah, until you piss him off, then it becomes a whole a whole thing. But he is no, I I, I agree. Um, also, well, it's not even really a, a pastiche character. I just meant more side superhero in in general. Like anyone who's not Invincible, who is a superhero. I really like Rexplode. Like obviously he's a dirtbag at the beginning. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll get a character arc. Maybe he won't. You'll have to read the rest of the series and watch the show to find out. Um, <laughs> but he is very, he's just very entertaining to me. He yeah. shouldn't be in a relationship with anyone. He needs to work on himself, but he's just very fun. Yeah. Dude, dude. Ooh, when we get his like special episode that I know is going to come. It's like, you guys are going to realize why he is the way he is. It's like, he, yeah, there's, there's reason why he's such a, uh, a little bitch. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know, he's the bitch you love at the end of the day though. And yeah, yeah I can understand Rex. Uh, Rex is pretty interesting. Also, I like that his name's a pun. Rexplode. No, this is mm-hmm. catchy. That's catchy. It's a catchy name. Yeah. I like, I like how most of the teen team's names are pun like duplicate. No, oh, duplicate uh, such a great fucking name. Yeah, and Adam Eve, it's like, ah, oh, that, that, I I love Adam Eve's name. I don't know, I don't know why I'm, but it's like, that name is just so good. I, I wish I was that good at naming stuff. I want to know what Robert Kirkman was smoking when he came up with that name, because I need to give me some of that shit. Like, that's, <laughs> I, I know as soon as he came up with the name, he's like, that's gonna, that's gonna fucking go hard. Like, that's mm-hmm. gonna, that's one of those ones where you come up with a name and then everyone starts cheering like and losing their minds because like that's a f- great fucking name yeah and great fucking character like we we we've talked about side characters and in general we know that invincible's great and we've talked about mark's perspective but his supporting cast i think is some of them are not as strong as they are developed in the show uh and you know they we get more time to flesh them out over the course of you know the first hundred issues of the book but just for these (laughs) first 13 like it is still clearly an introduction to these new characters as mark meets them but adam eve is a great character robot's a great character um 
I love Cecil. I love Cecil Stedman. He oh yeah, great. he also appeared outside of Invincible. Um, he, oh, he did. Yeah, it's like he. It's like his uh, first appearance was a um, in Invincible, but it was for Invincible, if that makes sense. Like, mm, so it was like a setup thing or whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's like I, oh, you'll see this guy again in Invincible. Yeah, it's like it's honestly, it's honestly again, it's crazy how well they had this planned out, and I'm pretty sure they had it planned out. If they didn't, they are freaking geniuses. I mean, Robert Kirkman is a genius. We've established that. But. Well, yeah, he's a genius, but it's like if he didn't plan this, it's like he's a genius of a genius. He's genius squared. He's like a robot level genius. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously Omni-Man, even just in these first 13 issues, terrifying, but also just a really interesting character. You're like, oh shit, what's he, what's he got going on? We'll get more, oh, that's the name of spoiler. We do obviously get more development with him as the series goes on. And I look forward to seeing more of that in the second season of the show, but. Uh, one Man, of my fa- one of my so favorite cool. uh, one of my favorite moments. I I know this is gonna be in season two just because how fast it happens in the comic. But it's like one of my favorite episodes. It's like you're you're gonna think something's gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, but it's gonna be way better. Ugh. That's so that's so vague. But we won't dive I, into I know, what it means because it's I not know, in the first I thirteen can't issues. Dive in. I can't. We can't in. dive in, Drew. We can't dive in. We're only talking about these first thirteen issues. Only talking about the first thirteen issues. But. Another character who we see a bit in these first 13 issues is obviously Mark's mom, and I really like his relationship with his mom. Um, it's It feels really, like, natural, which, you know, a mother and son relationship should. But I guess it's... I'm having a hard time thinking of how many superheroes do we really get to see just interact with their mom other than, like, Superman and Martha Kent. And especially, you know, you don't really get to see many superheroes still living with their mom. Yeah. With a mom who is, you know, aware of this superhero life. It's not like, oh, I have to hide my secret identity from Aunt May. It's like, no, this is just his mom. And his mom's like, hey, Mark, there's a monster on the TV. Like, go downtown. Honestly, side bit, the fact that they re- that they reneged on that to make Aunt May not aware is like, I feel like that's so dumb. It's dumb. We've talked about it, and if we get started on it now, we'll be here all day, but it is dumb. Um, but yeah, back to back to Debbie. Uh, I do like one thing I'll go ahead and say about the show. I'd like that they go ahead and give her the real estate thing from the jump. It's like, okay, good. Give give Debbie some independence. That's nice. Because she is in, in these first 13 issues, and she does grow over the course of the series, but in these first 13 issues, it's very it's like, oh, this is Nolan's wife and Mark's mom. Like, she doesn't get as much interiority as as you'd like. And it, it does take until after, you know, this first hardcover to really dive into her. But she does end up being just a, a really lovable and interesting character. And, you know, her, her feelings of dealing with the the constant stress of her kid being a superhero it's it's something that's really interesting and you get yeah. hints of that in these first 13 issues um but i really appreciate the way that that later gets explored moving forward yeah also she's i like how sassy she is yeah like i always i always love a sassy character and she does it really well for the sassy mom it's like just just her like telling Nolan like, oh, maybe 
oh, I'm glad our son was able to think with his brain and not his brawn. And then Nolan was like, I would have known if she's like, like our son did. Before yeah, she was he- like, how was I supposed to? And I was like, I mean, our son did. It's it's very, like, this is the mother of a teenage boy. And, and the dad is always off, you know, for work, a.k.a. saving the world. So it's like, yeah, she's... She's she's gonna have a little a little bit of a sass to her. She's gonna be able to you know clap back, and it's it's it is at least for a really entertaining dynamic, not just with her and Mark, but also with her and Nolan that we get um that we get hints at. Yeah. Now, well, this this is hmm. I'm trying to think because there's another character that I feel like we kind of have to talk about, but no one to be hold. But I'm trying to decide if I want to go ahead and ask this other. I'll just go ahead and ask this other question first because I think we'll we'll spin out into that. How do you think this, you know, these first thirteen issues compare in general to season one of the show? And do you think the changes that they made in the show hurt or help the story now that you've you know reread these these first few issues for the thousandth time or whatever? Especially now that you've also seen the first uh, the first season. I think both are good at doing what they need to do for their respective mediums. Cause, mm-hmm. cause it's like it. If you try to put Invincible and just go as slow as the uh, comic does in getting you used to the world at first, I don't think it works. With Invi- with Invincible, with Invincible, this uh volume one and two, I guess because uh since it does get the paperbacks volume one and two, uh when you go to the first thirteen issues of Invincible, you are getting like the whole the full like a full story, and you are getting small elements um put together um as the world goes on so you're basically learning the world and everything with the invincible series and everything it's like okay you're used to the superhero world already it's very prevalent so we're just gonna hit you with a few small world building stuff and then we're gonna let you go in flying so i feel like they i feel like it does good on that what i also think is good on is that invincible like Invincible the series knew that um people were going to spoil what was going to happen in the comic for the series especially since the series was done before they started. So that is a, that is I think is a unique thing that is different from manga. Sh- uh shonen manga will from the jump will like jump from the gun. It's like I think even one of his most prevalent series Boruto the manga hadn't even started because it was a sequel to another one. Mm-hmm. Manga hadn't even started before they started animating um for Boruto. So that was a whole that was a whole thing with it. With Invincible, it's like, nope, we're done. We there a lot of people are gonna know all of the twists and turns and plot twists and everything. So we're gonna take those plot twists and we're gonna make them even more even more suspenseful by letting people who already know just wait for it to come. I think that's one of the things that the series is very good at. Invincible season one is the king of waiting. Yeah, it's the king of waiting. It's the king of subverting expectations and the way they play with the timeline, like, oh, already having um, the adventure to Mars and already having all the the stuff with the, the flax and, you know, so many different attacks uh, happening. It's and playing with that all that stuff happening before Nolan's even gone, you know, even the stuff with Titan and, and um, machine head playing with Nolan's reaction to watching his son go through the ropes as a superhero 
in a way that's very different than what happened in the comic, but it's still, you know, really engaging and true to the characters. It's It was a genius turn. And for the most part, I think the way they adapted all the characters, already giving them a sense of interiority, is, is great. The way they changed Debbie to be more of an active agent in the show in terms of uncovering what Nolan's up to, like, I think is great. Um, I like that they already have Adam Eve, you know, going on her journey of self-discovery even earlier in the show. I, for the most part, I like what they do with Amber in the show, who finds out Mark's identity in the series, uh, the show, far earlier than she does in the comic. Um, Yeah, that's one of the, the Amber's one of the changes where it's like, I liked it before the before the um college episode and everything it's like because it's like it was cliche like what they were going through but at the same time it's like those cliches exist for a reason and then and then what happened with like the college and then like the um final episode where it's like marcus marcus trying to tell her she's invincible she's figured it out i like that they may let her figure it out because that was one of the things in the comics it's like everyone who knows mark figures out he's immediately he's like oh that's like william's like Mark, why didn't you tell me you're a superhero? Yeah, why didn't you tell me you had superpower superpowers? And also, the teacher is like, "Oh, Mark Eve, why don't you come on in? I didn't think I'd be discovered so soon." And, Which and- that's also funny because Eve's like, "What? How do you know?" He's like, "You're not even wearing a mask." He's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, "Ma'am, you sit in my class every day. I look you in the eyes every day. You think I'm not gonna notice because you just have a pink cape on?" Yeah. Although I do also like how. E- how Eve also mentions, like, most people won't know because they don't think a superhero is going to be in their midst. Yeah, like, that's like, a cool great... Superman-esque that's a great explanation. I, I love that. Um, and I agree with the Amber thing. Like, I, I like that she figures out her own. I even get it, like, I get why she feels the way she feels in the college episode. It's just not until she... And even then, I understand her being mad that he lied to her and whatnot up until it's really up until the finale because and we're not gonna spend too much time on this because it's about the comic not the show but um it's a high school relationship feelings are intense like both characters are valid in their feelings like obviously he i wouldn't have told her you know if i were a superhero they'd only been dating for four months like or five months it's like yeah like you're you're teenagers you know where this is gonna go that's a big secret but she's also valid in feeling like you're lying to me you make me feel dumb like that's not cool what bothers me is then when she, like, goes to check on him after his dad and she immediately kisses him and is like, let's get back together. I'm like, okay, no, like, th- you guys need to have a conversation. That feels flip-floppy in a way, and not like, oh, this character's flip-flopping. Just the writing, it's like, this doesn't feel natural. Like, it's yeah. not, I mean, she can be there for him. Yeah, and I, I get that a lot of Amber stuff still has to ha- still has to happen and everything. It's like, their college relationship is where their relationship gets really interesting for me. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that when they had broken up and everything, and it was like I felt like that's kind of like the finality. It's like I feel like they can become friends again. I don't think they can be. I don't think they can be boyfriend and girlfriend again because it's exactly. Like, yeah, it's like they they've gone through this relate. They've gone through this relationship. They both have different stances on where they should be. It's like it's just a fundamental disagreement on what. They could be that I don't think that you can just bounce back from like that, even with trauma. Yeah, like it'd be one thing, if, like totally, if she just wants to be there for him as a friend. Like, hey, you just went through this traumatic thing. Like, you know, I'm mad at you, but I care about you. I'm here for you. Then great. But 
Yeah, them them immediately getting back together. I'm like, this is not going to work out. Which, you know, is what it is. But I also just I also I need I do need to bring this up too as well. Sorry, I also dislike mm-hmm. the fact that the show wants to put Mark fully in the wrong and not put Amber a bit in the wrong. Because if you figured it out, it's like she's also technically like lying in the college episode, which is why I feel like this is more of a rewrite that they just did not finish. Because mm-hmm. it just, I just don't feel like they would make that mistake with how well they've planned so much stuff out. It's like I don't, I don't feel like they would make that mistake. I feel like this was a rewrite that they just accidentally forgot about. I don't know. I mean. I guess we'll see more about that in season two. But either way, regardless of how you feel about Amber and the show, it is another example of the show getting right, you know, depending on how you feel about her. But the show doing a better job of giving more characters interiority right from the jump. Like giving more characters a chance to actually be characters instead of just being hey, this is just so-and-so standing in the background. Even, like, Art the Taylor. Like, he gets more to do. Um, And, sure, these are characters that, if you continue reading the comic, they all get more things to do. But, just for these first 13 issues, I think it is very much a, a, a setup. And I think that is also one of the benefits of the show playing with the timeline and pulling in things from the series that happened well after the first 13 issues that we're covering here, even though this, the issue 13 of the series ends where issue or episode eight of the show ends. Like it's just Mark saying, well, I guess I'll finish high school. Um, But by playing with the timeline, it allows more characters to do more things in a way that I think is really beneficial to the longevity of the show in the sense that you don't have to spend so much time later saying, oh, well, now remember this character that appeared right there, you know, for that one snippet 27 episodes ago? Yeah, now care about them. Um, Now you'll just be able to be like, hey, this is that character you know. Let's already get into whatever they've got going on in this story. In general, though, I think the characterization of Invincible in these 13 issues is, it's a good start for the side characters, but it's a great foundation for characters like specifically Mark and Nolan. And, uh, let's say even, even Adam Eve, like obviously she becomes more of a character as a show or as the comic goes on, but it's very clear. It's like, okay, this is going to be Mark's like, like partner. Like his superhero yeah. partner. Yeah. While we still got time, Tristan, I want to ask, what is one of your favorite changes that was made with Invincible? It can be a character. It can be um, where something happens in the timeline. What's one of your favorite changes from these 13 issues and season one? Mm, that's a good question. I think the main, I think my main change that I really like is I really like Debbie like investigating about Nolan. It, it it gives her more of a stake in the story in a way that I feel like we we get into more after these 13 issues in the comics. Like, we see her dealing with the fallout of, of uh, Nolan's betrayal, but already getting to see that develop in the show, uh, I really, I really enjoyed. And also Sandra Oh just, you know, killed it as Debbie, but... Yeah. But either way, like, I think... I'm very interested in seeing where the show goes to its completion 
and comparing it with the series, the comic series overall, because if it keeps on track, like if it, if it keeps, you know, maintaining the level of quality that it has already, then it's possible we'll have the best comic to, you know, television adaptation of anything. And that's saying something because Invincible is already one of the best, you know, long running comics of all time. I don't know that anyone can really argue that it's not one of the best written and drawn just consistently superhero comics of all time. It's so good. Like the whole thing, even just the first 13 issues are fantastic, but the whole nearly 150 issue series is, it is definitely worth a read. And it comes everyone in three easy to buy compendiums on Amazon. You can read the whole series in like a week. It's great. I highly recommend it. Same, same here. Or if you want to be like me and just like buy these hardbacks that are beautiful looking, like they have they two are good looking hardbacks. Yeah, they have two different hardbacks, by the way. Um, you have the you have the ones that are pretty much pure white borders, and then you have the ones that are um got more of some of the most famous issues like on for their covers and everything. And both are great. I'm getting the one with the issues because the white ones are a bit harder to find, but it's it's they're really cool and they and they're printed really well. They look real good. I've seen them. Uh, I've I've got all three compendiums, so I haven't worried about getting the hardcovers. But whenever I've seen like ads for them on Amazon, like sometimes like, damn, those are good looking. So Drew, before we get out of here, what are some of your favorite moments from the first thirteen issues? Okay, so some of my favorite moments. Now you know me, Tristan. Sometimes I will like latch on to just an event or something, uh, and just like say that's pretty cool. One of them, of course, being War Woman fighting this weird uh, um, gladiator-style guy. He's, he's basically Ares. He's basically just an Ares pastiche. Uh, but it's sent by her mother, which we'll never get an answer to that. <laughs> and we don't need it. We don't need it. It'd be it, cool but... if we got it, but it's just another little bit of world building. Yeah. Um, the teacher that doesn't appear in season one because, yeah, that's a yikes that you don't want to touch. Uh, but the teacher, when he's like so calm with mark and eve when they appear at his place he's like oh like i didn't expect you got i didn't expect uh to be found out so soon and i also expected like more proper authorities but eh, i can work with this yeah i like how robot um cat is casually taking in like all this stuff and everything like he even for like the world you can tell like robot is just super casual with a lot of the stuff he talks with a lot of the stuff he's talking about and everything and, like, one of them is, like, oh, I found out, like, humans are being used for, uh... To make bombs. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I figured it out. He's like, shouldn't you be, like, I don't know, more, more, not enthused, but alarmed by that? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it, it is one of those things that, um, if you, for the, for, like, the series and the comic and everything, if you don't know who Robot is, it's like, okay, so he's just, like, in... He's just like a robot, sentient robot and everything. And it's like, nope, nope, nope. It's it's far worse. <laughs> you guys will see. But uh, yeah, um, Derek, who is the Todd from the show, he's honestly a bit more interesting in the comic than he is in the show because like he kind of gets a sort of like you, you see his like redemption and everything where he like starts acting better. And everything he realized the er the error of his ways after like hearing why the teacher did what he did and all that it's like that's a cool little small redemption doesn't need to be too big but it's like a cool little small redemption and uh 
I think I like the baseball scene more in the comics than I do in this in the show. Like, don't get me wrong, I like the like Omni Man is the one to give Mark his name in the show, but I've always mm-hmm. also liked the principal being the one to give Mark his name. Yeah, well, I prefer the principal Reginald Bell Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one it's to, to say you're not invincible, you know, just not knowing who he's talking to. <laughs> it's like principal, you haven't seen this man cook yet. It's like you are unaware, but this man bulletproof. Yeah, it's like another one of my favorite moments. Uh, oh, and just immortal casually throwing a supervillain into space. That's also one of my favorite. That's moments. a great moment. That's that's one of the best. Like oh, that's the immortal. Like that's just how he how he rolls. Like all right, when in doubt, just yeet him into space. You're like okay, great. That's great. Um, as for my favorite moments, I'm I'm on board with a lot of the ones you said. The one you mentioned earlier with. Um, Nolan reacting to Mark just talking to Alan instead of uh, you know just immediately trying to beat the shit up. And he's like, "Oh, well, how am I supposed to know?" And Debbie's like, "Well, our son did." It's like that's a that's a great moment. Yeah, really great moment. The whole fight between Nolan and Mark. It, I mean, it, it's also very graphic in the show, but it's really good in the comic too. And when yeah. uh, Nolan flies away, it's a it's a great moment. Um, anytime Rex is being a dick is very funny to me, <laughs> which happens a lot. Um, but he's just a really entertaining character, so I can't even I can't even get that mad at it. Also, anytime that the principal appears, because the principal of Reginald Vell Johnson High literally they just draw Reginald Vell Johnson a Family Matters fame, and then they have mm-hmm. him voice him in the cartoon. So it's just like it's just great. Anytime, anytime RVJ is there, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, that's only one of the other things, like, I really wanted to get, invincible, get on Invincible. It's like, you have the guy you base the principal on, and you don't have him do the famous line of giving him his name? I mean, I would have loved to have heard Reginald Bell Johnson say, you're not invincible. But I don't think the world was ready for that, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, I don't the world know may if, never be ready for that. The world will never be ready. It would be too much power. You know, it'd just be, it'd be too much inspiration. Um, what are some of my other favorite moments just from these first 13 issues? I'm trying to think, because so many of my favorite moments from the series happen later, and I, I'll admit, I haven't stopped reading it since I reread it, reread the first 13 issues. Uh, it's for addicting. This episode. It's addicting. Like, once you pick it up, you can't put it out. So I'm having a hard time gauging of what happened before issue 13, because I don't want to spoil you know, a damn thing for anybody. Let me see. Let me look. Yeah. Admittedly, I've had the same problem because I, I think I'm up to in number 27. Oh, I'm well past that, bro. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm at issue 70, I think. Jeez. Re- I have not stopped reading it. You read fast, but it's like, I have, I just haven't had the time. Cause I, I, I like literally was reading, um, when I started reading it for the the podcast, rereading for the podcast and everything, it's like I will. I looked up and it's like, oh, it's four a.m. Jeez, it's like, it's like I might need to take a break. Uh, I will say also, anytime the Mahler twins show up and they're oh yeah about who's the clone, love the Mahler twins. They're some of my yeah. favorite. They're some of my favorite villains. I did not expect them to be able to improve on the Mahler twins in the show, and, and yeah. they did. There you go. That Kevin is- Mike Kevin Mike Wordson, perfect as the Mahler twins. Mm-hmm. So, Drew, any final thoughts on the first 13 issues of Invincible before we get out of here? What a solid start. Like, I, I, I don't want to go into one of my speeches because I just know I'm going to start 
pulling out some stuff, but what a solid start. And of course, and of and of course, because I haven't been able to talk about him, just gonna go on one final tangent. My boy Al of the Aliens showing up and representing. Oh my god. I did not I did not know I was gonna love him so much when I started reading the series, but oh my god, I can't wait when we get into more, because Alan is my boy. Alan's great. Every character's great. The series is great. Everybody should read it. Go so, go buy it. Go buy it. It's on Amazon. It's at bookstores. Just buy the compendiums. Drew, what are you working on and where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am uh, Drew Garrison underscore. And you can also find and you can also find me on YouTube at Writer's Room. And when you're done following Drew at Writer's Room, you can find me on the socials, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, at BackIssueBins. You can also go read some of my work on Screen Rant. I get paid per view. It helps me out. Uh, our link trees will be in the description of this episode, so you can click on all our links and, you know, support us if you feel like supporting us. We'd really appreciate it. And you can also hop in the Discord for the Nerdstash Network, where it's just a bunch of nerds talking about all sorts of nerdy shit. It's a great time. And then consider leaving us a rating on whatever service you're listening to us on. It really helps. Leave a comment, too. Leave a, leave a comment on how awesome the, this Invincible comic is and what's your favorite character. There you go. See? Do that. But links for all that business will be in the description of this episode. Drew, anything else you want to say? You guys are not ready for Season 2. Yeah, I guess you're, you're, not, you're not ready for Season 2. But... Until season two, we will see y'all later.